the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. I'm Adam. This is the part where our guest, Ken Johnson, would introduce himself. Unfortunately, some of Ken's audio was corrupted, so I'm going to have to move forward to the point where Ken gives you a little bit of his background. One of our uh, illustrious patrons, Mm -hmm. back to talk uh, some movies that... Uh, he hopefully will give us some good insights for as we talk about it. Yep. We're going to do our top 10 war movies. Closest that John and I come to uh, any kind of warfare is uh, modern warfare that we play yeah. uh, pretty often <laughs> online. So top 10 war movies. That's a fairly broad category. So I, I'm interested to see mm-hmm. how uh, this plays out. But for anyone who maybe has not heard from you uh, before in some of our earlier ones, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? All right. So my background is I am a nerd that just so happens to be a soldier. uh, And I think that's really where everything kind of came to a head. Um, I have been active duty for almost 16 years now, Army. uh, So I definitely make fun of all the other services, just like we would make fun of everybody else. I, I am a uh, lifelong movie connoisseur, we'll go with, uh, movies and TV. Uh, I'm about the same age as, as, as you guys, so I joined up with you guys, oh hell, yeah, almost four years ago, I think, yeah, something you've been, like you've that. Yeah, you've been a long-term patron. Um, obviously a golden girl through and through, uh, so <laughs> I, I've been rocking that. Um, been kind of toiling away with, with different projects, but realistically... This is the most fun I have, uh, is getting to sit down and talk with friends about certain things. And because we're talking war movies, I definitely think I can bring something to the table. It won't be great, uh, but it will be something. Um, I enjoy talking war movies uh, now more so than before because now I can apply context. Uh, so it's it's not just the cool whiz-bang action sequences now as much as I love those. Um, but now I can do with what my wife says is uh, can't watch anything with you um, because then I say things like, oh, that would never happen. Oh, that never happened. Uh, which, yeah, I, I love and, and you love as well. So thanks guys for having me back on and I think we should kick it off. Let's do it. Cool. And just so we kind of we kind of did discuss that the a war movie for us was going to be defined as something that did have some kind of historical accuracy relative to its subject. Yes, a, Some kind of A real war, accuracy. not a star war or space war at all. <laughs> Why right. he did it. <laughs> yep. And also uh, for you, Adam, specifically, I did not have any Arnold movies on here uh, because <laughs> even though we both know that there is total historical accuracy in mm-hmm. Predator, um, I <laughs> did not think that that would apply, but definitely my honorable mention. And I, I honestly didn't do any Arnold as well, but not because of that. It's because his movies, they're, I, they're more just random insurgences or, you know, maybe like uh, he's sent out for missions and they're not particularly set in a war that I remember. But maybe maybe y'all will teach me otherwise. 
It'll be difficult uh, to see Arnold, you know, getting sent in as an insurgent force by himself. Um, <laughs> exactly. Because I feel like the tide would have turned for whatever war he was a part of. However, he was exactly. an Austrian tank driver. So, yeah. I, I it, it literally, first... on, on Omaha Beach, it was just Arnold coming yeah. up by himself. And no, no one else. And he just stormed it, stormed Normandy all by himself. I think we're blessed he wasn't born before because could yeah. you imagine Arnold being oh, part of the God. Austrian tank division, oh, you know, say during 1941? No. Exactly. We would never have won. Um, and one other stipulation that we put in um, that I remember, I don't know if y'all filled it, but I thought I remember bringing it up. Uh, I usually stick to a uh, movies before 2005. And so all of my movies come before 2005 for myself um, because that's kind of a, what I how I break down. Because otherwise, Ken, you can bet your ass I would have had Hurt Locker on here, um, but it came out <laughs> later than that, so I did not have it on my list. I did break that rule for one of my oh. movies, but only because I, as a veteran of the Iraq and Afghan war, could not find a decent movie okay. uh, before 2005 that kind of showcased my, sure. my, my experience. Oh yeah, you added a whole nother tougher stipulation for yourself. You didn't you do a different war? Uh, you know, no duplicate wars in your movies. <sighs> so I did uh, previous when I was doing uh, looking at music um, uh, because otherwise uh, everything for me would be Korea and Vietnam because they just so happen right. to have the coolest soundtracks. Sure. Um, right. <laughs> so so if I if I if I had to do that, I would have made it more difficult. But I did have some. Some repeats. However, I will say that they are separate engagements within each war. Uh, all right. Well, let's jump into it. Adam, I'm going to let you start us off with your number 10. Sure. Uh, my number 10 is by far the oldest film on my list. Um, and I, I don't know. I'd be surprised. I'm sure you're going to be like, wow, really? That made your list? Um, and it's uh, 1963's The Great Escape. Great film. Not on my list. Yeah, I've actually never seen that film. Okay, so that's Steve McQueen, James Garner, Richard Attenborough. Um, I first saw this film, uh, I mean, Johnny, of course, you and I remember uh, when Dad first went through cancer. Um, yeah. He had throat cancer, and he, un unfortunately, he was living by himself in a state where none of his kids were. I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and John in Vegas and, my, and our sister in the D.C. area. And so he was going through chemo and all that kind of stuff. And so we each took like, you know, a different week or so to go out there and be with him during the time. But of course we couldn't be with him for the whole thing. But what would happen obviously during this was, you know, dad was tired a lot. And so mm -hmm. most of the things we did was just sit in the living room and watch TV. And so, you know, without question, dad would almost always fall asleep on the chair and it would be <laughs> me watching TV. And it was, I never changed it from pretty much whatever dad had. So I watched a lot right. of, Rifleman, a lot of old like westerny kind of shows. Mash was on a lot. Um, I I watched almost exclusively Mash the whole time he <laughs> yes. was I was there. But every now and then he had it on like an old you know like Turner Classic Movies or something like that. Um, Crimson Tide. I remember Crimson Tide was on first. I watched that, and then uh, The Great Escape was on, and I had never seen it before. And so Dad was uh, you know snoring in his chair, and I was just watching The Great Escape. And by the end of it, I was just like fuck, that's a good movie. That's just a really good movie. And so it kind of creeped up, but, you know, a nice little um, tie-in just because remember being with Dad. But, like, other than that, like, I'm not usually, like, a big older movie guy unless it's, like, a monumental 
you know, iconic film. Um, and The Great Escape has, you know, some of those aspects. But just in general, I thought it was a really good story, really good acting. Um, I, and I thought it was a very high, it just felt like um, there was good intensity in the movie, too. So, I mean, I don't have anything to add because I've never sure. seen it. So, <laughs> okay. it's, it's a great film. Uh, but we also all know that if dad was, a fall, was asleep wa- or fa- watching a TV show, uh, the moment you turned it, he'd wake up. So yeah, that, exactly. I think it was just in the background of our minds. We just didn't didn't let that happen. So I do agree. Yeah, even even as older adults, you still didn't mess with the uh, shows Dad was watching. Yeah. With. yeah, don't you don't change uh, exactly. You don't sit in Dad's chair. You don't take the remote. And these are the things I hope my my kids learn as well. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, so my number 10 is a film that it's been a hot minute since I've seen this, but I remember really being affected by the film, um, and I really wanted to put it on my list. And so number 10, and I did have a lot that were kind of fighting for number 10 for a while, um, but I went with the 1989 film Casualties of War. Nice seen movie. It was. I remember. I don't remember where I saw it. It was probably on TV or like maybe on one of those HBO things because I definitely remember like all the language and all the serious stuff that happens in the film. So it definitely was not like on you know USA or something like that. Really effective film. I think probably one that has not gotten talked about as much as I think it probably should have in, in the annals of, of war films. Great performance by Michael J. Fox. Sean Penn is in it. John C. Riley, John Leguizamo. Um, it's a great cast. The rape scene in that movie messed me up. Because yeah. I think I was like a kid when I saw that. And that whole thing was like really effective to see the kind, and, you know, I, there were, de- you know, you can't talk about like the Vietnam War without talking about that there were bad things that happened. But I think for the majority of soldiers, I think they did not deserve the response that they got back at home for being sent over there, especially because a lot of those guys just got sent over, didn't want to go. But either way you want to swing it. By the way, if you've not seen Ken Burns' thing on Vietnam, one of the best things about the the war I've ever seen. Uh, Casualties of War, I think, is one that definitely needs to get mentioned more. No, I I think you you really kind of hit on one, that that time period had a lot of films like that with casts that you know you look at today's cast you don't get like all of the a-listers that you would Mm -hmm. you know now comparatively um to like the big red one and platoon and things like that uh Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean hitting so the the reception soldiers got then compared to now uh is the reason why i make it a point to go to like vfws and legion Mm -hmm. Uh, bars and just sit and talk with these guys because compared to what they had to go through uh, what i went through was a piece of cake uh the fact that when i got off the plane coming back from afghanistan or iraq there were just almost miles of people there to to greet me and to thank me and continue to do so when i'm in uniform and out and about or when i'm wearing uh, military style stuff uh those guys didn't have that uh and they definitely just considering that they had a draft. I didn't have a draft. Right. I, I volunteered right. to do it. Uh, they didn't uh, for the most part. So, I think we as a society learned from that. I think we looked back on our behavior as American citizens and were like, you know what? They did not deserve the treatment we got. We were not happy with the war. It was not their fault. 
We should not have talked to the soldiers like that. And I think we learned from that because I think once Iraq happened, I remember that being a talking point. We were like, listen, you can be supportive of the soldiers even if you are not for the political reason of why we're on a war. And I think that's a, I think that's at, at least some growth <laughs> for us as a yeah. society in, in how we deal with veterans, per se. Well, I think it just helps that the, the people that were telling us that were the guys that had to deal with coming home from the last couple. Uh, right, so of course. I, I feel like that's Absolutely. Um, but if uh, it's on to me, thanks, guys, for really yes, bringing sir. down the, 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 the <laughs> attitude because my number 10 is good morning, Vietnam. Uh, higher uh, on my list. Uh, higher right. on my list as well. All right, so I'll leave, I'll leave that be. But, yeah, I, I tried to bring some levity into this. Right. Nope. <laughs> All right, Adam, back to your up to your number nine. Uh, there's going to be plenty of levity in my number nine. Um, I do not expect it to be on either of your list. Uh, one, because it's a cheesy movie, but I kind of enjoy it because of its cheese factor. And two, it's almost debatable on if it was a real war or not. It was made most famous and definitely fantasized by the poet Homer. Uh, from way back. It's definitely the, the oldest of my wars, but it's a 2004 film, Troy. Not on my list. I, Not on my list because I think it's a horrible movie. It's, it, but that's Facts. part of the fun. That's part of the fun of Troy. Like, I know, like, Brad Pitt's acting is not good he, he leans into everybody leans into the cheese on that movie and that's kind of yeah. where i enjoy it it's just a dumb fun film for me um it's one where i like to separate myself and just kind of you know just watch something that i don't have to really think on and you don't need to think in troy um but yeah so i mean the trojan war probably never really happened at least definitely didn't happen the way homer wrote about um but mm -hmm. there there was definitely uh, from what I saw that there was probably some signs that there were battles around where um, Troy was, you know, allegedly meant to be kind of in that Turkey area. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say if it's, you know, fully counts, so I'm, but I'm giving it to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like early 2000s, like hell, you had Orlando Bloom, Diane Kruger. Um, I mean, Brian Cox is Agamemnon. I mean, and then Eric Bana and, <laughs> and Brad Pitt, like some of the, some of the fighting the choreography is not the best, but again, it's fun, dumb action. And I, you know, we talked about my love of Arnold. I love fun, dumb action. And washboard abs. And I love, oh my God, I love me some greased up beefcake. And there's plenty of it. So for you, Adam, the Trojan War did actually happen. Um, okay. However, definitely not to the extent that, you know, Homer sure. and, all, and those people. But the Trojan horse, that tactic was passed down. Uh, okay. And it, it, it did happen. Uh, obviously, it, I don't think uh, it was done any better than Monty Python with the wooden badger. Uh, yeah. However, uh, it definitely is is cool. Uh, I, I remember watching that film with my mother, of course, um, because uh, that's what she was into. Uh, and once the airplane flew beefcake. over, that that was it for me. Uh -huh. <laughs> Adam, it, it, it's a shit movie, but I respect your love of the cheese thank you and i and i picked it over some actual really good movies so just, <laughs> just felt the need of course uh okay so my number nine might be controversial as to whether or not you consider it a war film it happens during a war and the war is mentioned but the war is not the 
main part of the story. But I love this film, and you cannot deny it is a classic. My number nine is Casablanca. Gotcha. Not on my list. Not on my list. But you're right. War adjacent, for sure. And and I have a couple of those are kind of similar that are on my list, so took some liberties. I think out of all of them, it's the only one that I would really call war adjacent. All the rest of them are more directly war related. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's one of my favorite films to watch. I remember uh, showing my wife this movie, her complaining that like everything about it was cliche. I'm like, it's cliche because this is where it comes from. Yeah. This is the the whole the start of it's the start of a beautiful friendship. It's the, you know the whole the whole thing. And so, uh, you know, I mean, it's a classic for a reason. It's always rates as one of the highest. And it's one of the ones I agree with that is uh, a classic and not just an old, boring black and white film. Mm-hmm. So um, I figured it kind of moved up and down on my list a little bit, but I think settling it at number nine is about right where right where it needs to be. All right, sir, you're number nine. All right, so my number nine, um, in my list, this is the first of a particular actor that's going to show up. Um <laughs> And uh, I remember seeing this movie and thinking, well, holy crap, someone finally thought of this the way I would. Uh, My number nine is 2000's The Patriot. Um, Obviously, Mel Gibson leans into everything that he does uh, and romanticized certain aspects uh, and then kind of fudged others. Um, However, it's on my list realistically because it really kind of showcased for the first time what battles, gentlemen's battles, looked like in a in a mm-hmm. in a gory, scary, uh, hellish way of having two lines of soldiers line up musket to musket, and remember they were using muskets, so they had to be within twenty yards of each other. Like the movie kind of fudged that, and made it a little wider, but you're only mm-hmm. accurate up to 20, 20 feet, maybe. Um, so that that movie then showcased what. The Swamp Fox, who the real Swamp Fox, Sir Francis Marion, uh, who kind of started special operations. Uh, they still teach his tactics uh, in in regular warfare, guerrilla warfare, where instead of standing in front of your your enemy and firing and hoping to God that you don't get hit, he was like, well, why don't we just use what the natives did during the French-American War and the French-Indian War uh, why don't we hide behind trees and set up ambushes and things like that? Um, mm-hmm. Of course, it was during the War of Independence. Um, the actual battles they showcase, n- not historically accurate at all, obviously. Uh, but a great film. Uh, Jason Isaacs being the main foil for that film. Incredible uh, great, He's a great villain actor. Um, yeah, Seeing him in anything but a villain role just scares me. Because I don't feel like it's right, um, but I mean, you had you had an all star cast. You had, and in two thousand, this is right before nine eleven. Obviously, you had a great patriotic movie, where you you, you mm-hmm. were able to take you know the the feelings and the, and the desires of people just who wanted peace, who were thrown into a war that honestly we shouldn't have won, uh, and we shouldn't be sitting here today. Uh, so. It's, it's low on my list because, honestly, I, I felt like it was easy. Uh, but uh, we may or may not be seeing more of Mel Gibson on my list later. Yep. Yeah. Patriot's a fun movie. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about it on your uh, kind of defunct but awesome podcast. You have all those tactics. 
And yeah, I, it would have been an honorable mention for me. It was definitely one I thought about. All right, Adam, your number eight. Uh, my number eight uh, was Ken's number ten, and I think it's going to be higher on your list. It's Good Morning Vietnam. Higher on my list. Okay. Uh, all right. My number eight is another older film um, that I think I saw with our father. I think he showed it to us, or at least to me, and it was might have been on TV. And it was like during the times when I thought anything old was going to be boring and just found it to be a fascinating movie. My number eight is The Dirty Dozen. Although I don't know if I'd classify it as a war film. It's definitely a military film. Yeah. It's not an honorable mention for me. Me too as well, because okay. I kind of thought about it. I, th- I also kind of think about it with Dad. Um, but yeah, it's a good one. It's a damn good one. Great actors. Man, Terry, Terry Savalas scared me to death <laughs> in that film. He was creepy as hell. Yeah. Um, but uh, Charles Bronson. Um, oh, there's another guy who I can never remember. Big name actor. Donald Sutherland. I can never remember. Yeah, I think that's yeah, it. Yeah. Um, just a, a great, fun, classic film. Yeah war film it is i mean it's it's it's, it's pretty iconic um and i it, it feels it feels like a like a dad movie like it feels like <laughs> every like kind of grandpa or dad just loves that movie <laughs> yeah For a reason yeah lee marvin that was the name well, I was yeah lee marvin. I said lee, lee, marvin. Majors, lee marvin was what i was thinking of ernest borgnine john cassavetes jim brown yeah, huge stack cast in this one george kennedy yeah and just having cool. the idea right. of having having prisoners be be the front line it's it's not not out of the ordinary it's happened throughout history but yeah. to have have those guys and then to, to see see kind of how this rough and tumble officer that's probably pissed off way more people than he should have now granted <laughs> oh you get 12 dudes let's go so it's that's a great move yeah yeah kind of like the original suicide squad yeah yeah there you go uh, all right sir what is your number eight uh my number eight is actually from my wars uh, so there, there have not been a ton of films, and this is the one that we, I was talking about broke my 2005 uh, listing. Mm-hmm. But mine is Lone Survivor. That was an honorable mention for me. Is that the Mark Wahlberg one? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's the Mark Wahlberg one. Now I don't typically go with Mark Wahlberg because honestly I don't think he's that great of an actor, but he does have moments. Um, mm-hmm. This one's personal because I was I had just come back from Afghanistan. Uh, after with this happening and I had operated out of some of the bases that these guys had worked through um, cinematography was incredible uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I remember that vividly um, and then just coming back uh, yeah 2013 I just come back from Afghanistan when this movie was was come or this was my, my second time um, it it definitely felt like I was right back in it um, the, the storyline is incredible uh, not just from the, you know, patriotic, oh my God, this guy, but also showing the other side, uh, you know, have in Pashtun Wali, which is, which is what he used in order to find safe passage once he got to the village. Um, because it was important, especially for guys that were involved with the locals there, to showcase the other side. You know, you don't see that a lot with a lot of war movies. Enemy bad, good guys good. Um, there are so many levels of nuance there uh and i, right. I really love the hell out of that movie i, I have uh, not i'll admit say i've not seen it so but you're I, making me want to i did see that movie but i actually so both that and american sniper i read those books back to back and then went and saw the movies i did not like american sniper no. the movie 
at all because I loved the book. The book oh. was great. Is it the um, one with a with, really fake baby that I've yes, seen? Yes, yeah, that was the one okay. with the really fake baby. <laughs> uh, same thing with this one. I loved the book, and so I was hesitant about the movie. Movie wasn't quite, you know, it's a cliche at this point. The mo- the book was better. In this, yes, the book was better, but the book could dive into details that the movie couldn't. For what they did, I thought they did a really good job of presenting um, his story uh, to the best that you can for what you what is clearly is you have to make it entertaining for the audience as well. Um, but that's a if you if you've ne- Adam, I would recommend. I mean, see, Lone Survivor is, is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, American Sniper, you can honestly skip it. Read the book or get okay. the audio book if you want. Uh, both in both those cases, their stories are amazing. Cool. And the books are both very well written. And the funny thing is, I would take Bradley Cooper's Mark uh, uh, Kyle, uh, Chris Kyle's Chris portrayal Kyle. over Wahlberg's Marcus Luttrell. Like I've met I, Marcus Luttrell and I've met his twin uh, brother. It's right. like the scene out of uh, what the hell was it? Uh, Trainwreck with uh, Amy Schumer, with John Cena, like, Mark Wahlberg, no, I'm the guy that ate Mark Wahlberg. That's that's how that kind of felt with Marcus Luttrell. <laughs> right? uh, Marcus Luttrell is a big dude. He's he, he's still jacked and an incredible person to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely didn't buy Wahlberg's perform- or, uh, portrayal of him, but the entire movie as a, as, as a, as a whole was great. Uh, American Sniper, yeah, I didn't. I didn't buy the movie, but I definitely bought Bradley Cooper jacking himself up to play Chris Kyle. All right, Adam, number seven. Uh, my number seven, I don't know, might have a chance of being on one of your lists, or I think I have a feeling at least a movie from this director might be on y'all's list. Uh, my number seven is Full Metal Jacket. Adam, my number seven is Full Metal Jacket. Okay. That's an honorable mention. So 1987, uh, Stanley Kubrick, it's it's honestly like two different movies. Um, right. Really, when you watch it, you get the first half, which is arguably the more famous and, and more iconic half where you're right. getting, you know, Gunnery Sergeant, you know, Arlie Ermey being so Arlie Ermey like, that he <laughs> created an entire career based off of this character. Um, and Vincent D'Onofrio is, is Private Pyle and his insanity and just, I mean, I've never... I've never obviously gone through any kind of boot camp, but this movie made me feel like I never want to because <laughs> <laughs> it looked intense the way that they did. I, when I, uh, our dad used to work for a company called Oil Dry, and I yeah. used to spend summers working in the warehouse, and the guy who was the manager of the warehouse was a uh, Marine Vietnam vet, and I asked him one time what he thought the most accurate movie was, and he said Full Metal Jacket oh, wow. was the one that he felt was the most accurate to his experience mm-hmm. as a Marine. So. Sure. So I will say that when I went to boot camp, I was sad that it wasn't more like that. Uh, obviously, there was a couple of decades between. Like my father told right. me about his army uh, boot camp, uh, way different than mine. Um, just to have Arlie Army scream at you is, is one of those cool like token moments that I got when I was doing a civilian marksmanship uh, oh, that's cool. uh, training. Uh, and I got him to yell at me, which was awesome. Uh definitely an incredible first hour and a half uh after that first hour and a half kubrick just lost me on it that's that's the reason why it's an audible mention for me i gotta say the whole reason it is on my list is for that first half like yeah you could stop the movie there and i'd be like that's that's such a great movie the back half is good 
It is not great. Yeah. I, I mean, um, yeah, they dive into Vietnam and kind of all this other stuff. It's, but I mean, it's, without that second half, we wouldn't get classic lines like me so horny. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, that's the most classic which, of the lines, John. Which launched, <laughs> which launched a whole hip hop career. Yeah, honestly. So. That's, that's fair. Yeah. So then, my number seven, uh, same yeah. war, uh, 2002's "We Were Soldiers." Um, the this one was num- my number one on my war music, my war soundtrack. Uh, honestly, because of the final the final fight uh, I absolutely love that song um, again personal I met Sergeant Major Plumley, who was played incredibly by Sam Elliott uh, he spoke at one of my graduations from military school at Fort Hood um, the idea of, of the first air cab was really really cool um, and that tradition still permeates uh, Fort Hood um, because going from horse soldiers to tanks uh, from tanks to kind of a mix between infantry and tanks, uh, and then Vietnam being like the first air cab unit, uh, what is incredible. Uh, I thought the movie was just very well shot, uh, and you still had those points of levity that broke up just the, the, the terrifying nature uh, of being the first ones dropped. And then uh, obviously it's Mel Gibson showcasing leadership's most quintessential moment of having being the first one off of a helicopter, first boot on ground, and being the last boot off uh, is what really drives a lot of leaders, uh, good leaders. Um, because without that, you, you can never really get the respect of your men. Uh, and it, it, it's, I, I think it's one of the more, more perfect movies. I've got to say, I've actually never seen the film Mm-hmm. And I think the whole reason was is this movie came out at a point in which I was sick of seeing Mel Gibson <laughs> and just didn't bother to see it. But looking through it, it's got an amazing cast just looking at just looking at the names, a lot of names that I recognize now. So, if it's if it's as good as you said, it's definitely one I'm going to have to take a take a shot at. Yeah. Uh- I actually wasn't sick of Mel Gibson, but I just honestly just hadn't seen the film, so I need to check it out as well. So I will say also, this this kind of continues on with my previous Mel Gibson talk. He really shot the the other side as well. Uh, he shot okay. from the perspective of of people that were holding onto their land and just trying to fight back, um, and then also with the the dirty communes behind them, but having that secondary perspective drives home how much fight there was in them and then grants more respect to those guys that had to go and fight. All right, Adam, you number six. All right. Um, I'm not worried about my number six being on anybody's list because I would be not surprised, but I not sure if you guys have even heard of this movie. Uh, cause and it was actually kind of more of a TV miniseries than it was a movie, but I watched it with my mom and I remember this it's uh, the 1996 film slash miniseries Andersonville. I have seen it. It's not on my list. Uh, not on my list. I also have seen it mostly because I consider it a miniseries, not a movie. Sure. Um, but I also watched that with us. Uh, so I was there with you guys when we watched it. Okay. Um, so it was a full and, family thing, I guess. Yes, it was a full family thing. And in fact, I, I've, I, I ended up knowing someone either in high school or in college who was an extra in that, mm-hmm. in that miniseries. 
it's a great series, but yeah, I I would have considered it a mini series, so I wouldn't sure. have put it, picked it for sure. This. But I see, I've got it on disc behind me. I own it, sure, and it's as a long movie. Um, and it's I I will fully admit it's not as as strong and there's not as strong performances as some of these other movies and some of the ones I even left off, but there's nostalgia factor for it. And it's my list yeah. of my favorites, damn it. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I have memories of watching this together as a family. And honestly, one of the things that I really liked about it, you, one, you don't get all that many um, like civil war movies. I mean, I know there are some, mm-hmm. but like, you know, we, we brought up, well, no, I mean, we get a lot of Vietnam, world war two, a lot of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But with the Civil War and and being in the South, um, this movie is about the atrocious conditions at the Andersonville yeah. prison in Georgia, which, you know, living in Georgia, another little tie that kind of made me bond with the film. Um, and you just see just the intensity that they had to go through just to survive in this god awful prison, you know, where there is like a there was a shit river, basically, you yeah. know, and all this other stuff. And it, it's just it made you feel for these characters and, and made honestly and made, made the um, Confederates just, you know, kind of just, just feel like pieces of shit, at least for, at least absolutely, at least for in this, these kind of conditions. Yeah. I still um, remember the scene where the one guy, it just opens with the dude just walks across yeah the, the line just to get shot. Yeah. Cause he, he just wants to die. Do it anymore. Yeah. So I think there is, it's, it's an um, underrated movie and I wanted to make sure it hit my list. I'm just proud of you for not calling it the War of uh, Northern Aggression. <laughs> War of Northern. I mean, they chew, they, they try they try to teach you. Uh, say in in Georgia uh, education, they told you it's about states' rights. It's not about slavery. Yeah, it, it was about slavery. <laughs> Growing up in the South, I always remember them talking about slavery as being the big thing. Like, I, I don't remember them rem- saying I, states' rights. <laughs> I have to see. I don't. So maybe that's okay. just where. Maybe it was just the teacher. Should could have been. See, I grew up uh, in the okay. West, so we didn't have that. We just had, uh, yeah, that was the Civil War, guys. Uh, we didn't come out till around after that, so we're fine. Right. <laughs> Battle born, baby. Uh, all right, I'm not going to say too much about my number six, because I kind of expected to be higher on people's list. My number six is Saving Private Ryan. Higher on my list. That is also my number six. Oh, okay. oh awesome. All right, but it's higher on Adam, so we'll wait yep. to talk about it tell for him. Uh, all right, well, then we're swinging back to Adam's number five. My number five is Saving Private Ryan. (laughs) We're all around the same area. So, Uh, uh, Adam, go ahead and start us off then. 1998. This is actually one of the first movies I think of when I think of war movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, it feels like it's an epic classic, you know, somewhat more modern classic. I mean, it's, it's Steven Spielberg for God's sake. It's so good. It's Tom Hanks who, you know, was in his nineties prime um, as being like the, guy for acting and and he was leading this team um great music absolutely great music in this movie as well and so it just it just kind of hits all of the different aspects of what you're looking for the the emotion of trying to go find like the the power of a team kind of with this movie where you're all doing you know you'll do what you have no man left behind like no movie at least on my list kind of encapsulates that aspect of the military like this movie, Saving Private Ryan. Not too much more to add. I mean, only Steven Spielberg can get away with like a 20 minute opening <laughs> war sequence for a two hour film. Mm-hmm. And just so effective. I mean, sure, there's uh, there's going to be aspects about any film that are going to be relatively unrealistic, but it feels pretty damn real. 
in the beginning, and it he makes the audience feel like you are on that amphibian with them, and you are having to jump off of the sides, and you are in the middle of this battle because you just feel anxious and tight, and you like the first time I saw it, I wanted to make myself small and like not a target for people who were not shooting at me in real life, and and you can't get much more effective than that, I think. So we talked earlier about um, where cliches start, right? So mm-hmm. I don't want to call this a cliche at all. There's there's no way. But this is where big battle, gut-wrenching fear came from. Mm-hmm. Is saving Private Ryan, that storming the beach in Normandy, right? Um, that feeling, I can only describe it as close to what it feels like to actually have machine guns going off in, in, over, over your head. Um, that's why in, in basic training we have certain activities we do. One of them is called Make at Night, right? So it's a, it's a night in, invasion. Uh, uh, I'll call it close contact fight where you get down in the mud and you're low crawling, which isn't like what people's you show in the movies where you're up on your elbows. No, this is when your head's in the mud and you're pulling yourself mm-hmm. forward on one arm and kind of shimming your body. Because there's Constantina wire about two inches above your head, and there's machine guns going off over your head with tracers flying by. You can hear it, even though you have earplugs in. It's it's a frightening and, I would say, the most humiliating feeling that you can have. You can't feel any smaller than that. And to know that those dudes, some of them as, as young as, like, 15, who lied oh. to get in volunteered for that that they were the ones that stormed that beach and just feeling that fear is is encapsulating which is which is why it was where i was on my list well uh my number five can't be any more opposite of saving private ryan some people might be hard-pressed to call it a historically accurate war film because i don't know that it was in fact i know for a fact it's not exactly historically accurate but it does depict a real battle that happened and adam you and i saw this together in the theater and I know this because my wife brings it up for the fact that we went to see this without her uh, she was yeah. mad that I didn't uh, and it might be silly but I love the film my number five is 300 okay it, it was gonna be close to but it came out I it came out like 2006 I think so I didn't okay. I didn't put it on my list but I honestly I love that movie yeah <laughs> it's, it's fun the, it's Another the abs, dumb, right it's the Grease same the kind beefcake. of dumb fun yeah it's good that's the, that's and that's this is my dumb fun yeah, film. Grease, yeah, greased up beefcake. Was, there's a lot of abs in that movie, and then the more abs to my enjoyment ratio is, it's kind of a one to one kind of thing. <laughs> so it's an honorable mention for me, and I will say cool. that this is one of five movies that are on my annual watch list. Uh, I have to watch 300 at least once a year, if for no other reason than to just enjoy screaming at the top of your lungs. This is Sparta. <laughs> Uh, right. While kicking somebody into the pit of death, realizing that's not from 300, that's from uh, this is the Spartans, which was the parody movie of that. Uh, Diedrich Bader shout out, uh, but incredible movie. It's it's one of those lifted right off the comic books and not even knowing it was a comic before, uh, mm-hmm. and then going back and reading the comic and going, holy shit, how did you go panel by panel making this a movie? Yeah. Uh, great movie. Yep. Great interpretation, and that the, the comic's good, and I have read it as well. But I think the movie's better and more enjoyable as a medium, honestly. 
Well, when you can reach out and feel their abs. That's yeah, <laughs> that's even better. Let's do it exactly. Let's do do it 300 on ice, and then I get out there and woo, good times. All right, sir. What's your number five? So number five is a movie you and I reviewed, John, uh, which is Black Hawk Down, uh, 2000. Higher on my list. Uh, higher on my list. Nice. Uh, all right, go to your number four. Uh, it's Black Hawk Down, so I'll wait to talk about it when you want to talk about it. You don't have to because my okay. number four is Black Hawk Down. <laughs> okay. Uh, so John, you you bring it. You mentioned it. Uh, so this is another one where I read the book uh, about the time that the movie had been announced, and then I went and and saw the film. Um, I remember going to see it at uh, Adam. You might remember this uh, in Athens. There was kind of over by the mall. There was like a dollar theater. Yep, I know where, exactly what you're talking about. And so I remember I saw it there. So I had to wait for it to kind of move from the big theaters to the dollar theater. I went and saw it there, and um, this time in my life during college this is when i really started to get into military history as something that i loved to read about um and i started i read black hawk down and then i read um um oh god i already have blanked on the the name of the guy who was the helicopter pilot who was captured orlando bloom no mike uh durant mike durant who was captured there he had a book that came out um, I think it was called In the Company of Heroes. Read his book. That book is fantastic as well. Um, and then I ended up reading what would become one of my favorite military history books of all time, uh, which was um, uh, Inside Delta Force, uh, which is a great book by Eric Alhaney, who was the, the – that book is what spawned the TV show The Unit that was on in the 2000s. Um, that was my nickname in high school. Was that ironic? <laughs> <laughs> I, l- I really did like love this movie so much so that I've seen like the behind the scenes stuff of the movie probably more than I've actually seen the movie itself uh, the the kind of the making of stuff that they did there and all the they really did uh, send all the guys to a, a boot camp um, all the Rangers the Delta guys had it better because they got to stay at a Hilton and blow shit up but <laughs> yeah that's the, the Rangers Yes, uh, the Rangers did actually like go to like a two-week-long uh, boot camp and and stuff to really kind of get acclimated. And they tried to make a nice dramatic film with as much relative accuracy to the event as they could get away with. I guess is the best way to say it. Okay. So it's it's always been a film that I I I could watch it pretty pretty much any time it's on. That's all I'll say. So to hear more, uh, shameless plug for the now-defunct You Call Those Tactics, uh, <laughs> like I said, me and John, I think it's been an hour and 20 minutes talking about this movie. Uh, yeah. I really love it. Again, another Eric Bana, Orlando Bloom, right <laughs> in that wheelhouse 2000s area of, of those guys, but historically accurate, um, showcasing, again, that leaving somebody behind, and it wasn't... It's, it's not a war, right? So the Battle of Mogadishu was not a war. We did not declare right. war on, on Somalia, mm-hmm. right? It was guys going in and doing the right thing, even in the face of orders of what could happen politically, which is something I thought that the movie did very well, was discussed that there's there are second and third order effects to every action, right? So everything that you do has something that can be caused greater issues. Uh, and then during that time period in 91, I mean, think uh, for those of us that were around and old enough to remember, I mean, I definitely wasn't watching the news at that time. 
I think I was more mm -hmm. worried about my you know Ninja Turtles backpack than anything else. <laughs> but how close things can get to the brink of open conflict just because of an action that is taken by guys on the ground and not caring about that. Going and getting your buddy and bringing them back is all that matters. Phenomenal cast. Uh, phenomenal soundtrack. John and I have talked about kind of some soundtrack stuff uh, with this the, movie. I could say this on my original songs list. Okay. Well, actually, I want to. I want to talk about doing that. I was. If we, if Ken, if you okay. have your list, I'd love to just. I mean, we can run through it quickly. Um, maybe not on this. Let's make it a, like a bonus episode. Okay. Are you guys cool with that? Yeah, if you guys sure. have the time to to run yeah. through that, John, do you sure. Have, all right. So that'll be a bonus episode. If you guys are patrons, we'll get uh, our music list, um, and we'll do this right after. If as long as y'all have the time. Um. So yeah, great soundtrack. Great. Uh, I mean, Josh Hartnett, Ewan McGregor, Eric Bana, William Frickner. Orlando Bloom, Tom Hardy, Ty Burrell, and uh, Nicolaj Costa-Waldo all in this movie. Yeah. Great, great acting. And yeah, you feel the intensity. Can you feel like you're there. So it's a really, really good one. Uh, all right. Ken, I think we're up to your number four then. Mm -hmm. So my number four is definitely the oldest on my list. Definitely in the, the classified as the dad war movie that I remember watching. Um, but it really stuck with me because I was a huge Gregory Peck fan. Uh Mm. unrealistically when I was a kid and I don't really know why I think it was just because I'd watched so many of his movies uh, between you know, what he had done outside of westerns and inside westerns but mine was 1961's Guns of Navarone never seen it never seen it never heard of it yeah. but Adam and I recently talked about Gregory Peck and how much we loved him in uh, Kill a Mockingbird Kill a Mockingbird so so basic it was a small unit that uh utilize civilian fishing vessels in order to go and take out giant artillery on the on the small island of Navarone, right? Uh, if you oh, want to talk about cool. a suicide mission, this is the peak of a suicide mission. Um, mm -hmm. Without taking out those artillery pieces, the, the Italian uh, skirmishes would have gone a completely different way. Uh, I, I think the best way to describe it is I think if you've ever played Modern Warfare or a Medal of Honor game and you had to go and take out a giant artillery piece uh, on a train or just stationary, well now put that at the top of a cliff that's like 500 feet high and have mm. an entire Nazi garrison on the other side of it. Uh, incredible movie for its time. A very cool kind of blending of naval aspects of using and, you know, commandeering merchant vessels uh, a la like Dunkirk uh, with mm -hmm. uh, a military campaign that was doomed to fail from the very beginning uh, and somehow was able to get it through. So, very good movie. Anthony Quinn, I see. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, good cast for sure. Richard Harris. Yes, he was. would later become Dumbledore. Uh, all right, our top three. Adam, it's up to you. Yep. Um, my top, my number three uh, is a movie that I guess you'd call it more war adjacent because it is set during the time of the Civil War, um, but it's actually more about the war of on the native people. Uh, my number three is the epic Dances with Wolves. Part, <laughs> well, fuck you. <laughs> Are you saying because you don't think it's a war movie or you just don't like the movie? I fucking hated that movie. I hated it's that so movie. Good. It's so good. So terrible. I I I thought about that one too, but because it, I, I guess I could have, I should have justified it because I also did Casablanca, which we were Jason. Yeah. But I did think about that one too because it is, and I, you know what, I'm with you, Adam. I do love that film. Yeah, the whole reason he's out, I mean, he's kind of set stationed out there. It is set right. during the Civil War, but um, 
yeah, it has nothing to do with it. You know, it's more on the West side of things. And I just, I, I, I think it's good acting. It's, it's an epic. It, it won best picture, I believe, Ken. How <laughs> <Yeah>. about that? <laughs> like oh, wait, the, so did Hurt Locker, which is a great say, movie too. Hurt too. I was going to say, let's go ahead and continue to add to the list of the reasons why I don't give two shits about who's winning Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the movie, you know, people would say what, that uh, Avatar was, this, was this movie plus Fern Gully, and that's what how you got Avatar. <laughs> but that's it. It's, it's all about you know your interactions and understanding of other cultures and inclusion, love and romance thrown in there as well. Great score. Um, you know I, I've used the score um, as kind of like a basis for some other film stuff uh, when I was working in film industry back in the day. Uh, but it all adds to this epicness, and there is a just a grandeur with Dances with Wolves that I, I really like. And um, he has some phenomenal acting. Graham Greene is in it, and he does a he's mm-hmm. a great actor. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, and John, I just back me up. It's it's a damn good movie. I Ken's wrong. I will back you up. I it's it's a damn good movie. But I will also back up Canon that the Hurt Locker was way overrated. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So overrated. I, I'm splitting here. I'm I'm split. I'm I'm playing both sides in this one. Okay. I think my hatred of the movie probably is more biased as to, oh my God, how long is this movie? And I was a kid it's, when it's I first saw long. it. Um, which kind of goes back to, like, I would watch uh, uh, Field of Dreams and be completely fine with that at six. But I was also huge mm-hmm. into baseball at the time. So. Right. Yeah. I, I get it. I, I, I respect your decision, but I will respectively decline by vomiting into a trash can. <laughs> okay. I see. I see. Uh, All right. Well, my number three uh, also involves the Civil War. My number three is Glory. That is my number three. Awesome. Missed the list, but a great film. Yeah. uh, Wonderful film. Uh, Amazing cast. Matthew Mm -hmm. Broderick, Denzel Washington, Carrie Elwes, Morgan Freeman, Andre Brower. Um, A lot of character actors who pop up in that film, too, um, that we uh, love talking about. Bob Gunton uh, shows Mm -hmm. up in that movie. A great movie about a rough time in our history and a rough time for the soldiers who were assembled for this particular unit. So war movies, and there's like three of them where I can cite, like to start off with like the horrors of war aftermath. And I think actually even Dances with Wolves did this a bit where you see like they were going to cut off his leg at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. What is that 1939 movie that everyone loves that I hate Gone with the Wind <laughs> Gone with the Wind also has has a, has a scene like this It's just, that movie is way overrated and slow mm-hmm. and boring this one has one of like the hardest to watch scenes at the beginning where he's been recovered and you see behind they're cutting the dude's leg off and he's just all you hear him say is please stop cutting please and it's like oh it's it's so hard to watch I mean, other than that, I, I'm gonna blabber on for too long if I keep going. So I'll let I'll let Ken sure. talk probably more cohesively about why this movie is so awesome. Uh, oh, for me it's easy. Denzel. That's that's really <laughs> kind of it. Like I, I remember this is probably one of the first movies I, I I can honestly remember with Denzel Washington. Like I remember Ricochet, mm-hmm. like vaguely. Um, but watching this film. And then having Morgan Freeman, just having that man in any movie automatically gives you like a plus 50 uh, to any (laughs) ratio, right? I don't think the man's ever had a bad movie. And if he has, then I've never seen it and it doesn't matter. Um, 
but seeing that struggle, right? So we, we talk about yeah. that the human aspect of, of a of a war movie is probably more important, I think, than the, the gore or the battles. Having having right. humanity as the forefront, uh, I think is why to this day middle school classrooms still watch it. Like going back to Andersonville, I think the first time I watched Andersonville was in middle school, right? But I think glory was the thing that brought us into the Civil War and explaining things and 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 that el- evolution of of thinking of mm-hmm. not only are you fighting an enemy, well, you're also fighting probably a relative because they're that that America's not that big yet, um, right? But you're also fighting an idea. You're, you're fighting amongst yourselves for an idea that really held no sway to certain individuals, and then had to be overcome by others. Uh, I think Glory did an incredible job with that. Uh, clearly, none of us here are at all experts on the black experience or black history at all. But it seemed like they kind of went out of their way to showcase different variations of what would have been the black experience in America at that time. You've, you've got the born-free character of uh, Thomas mm-hmm. with Andre Brower to the escaped slave of Denzel Washington and kind of what seemed like an in-between almost with Morgan Freeman um, to kind of showcase everything of these people coming together to form this this unit and their unfortunate ultimate sacrifice at the end. I don't think it was done better until I'd say the Tuskegee Airmen. I don't say better okay. but done as well as uh, for a film. I haven't seen that one but I heard it was pretty good. It Terrence Howard Lawrence Fishburne uh, Cuba Gooding mm-hmm. Jr. Yeah, it was it was very well done. All right, well then I guess we're up to Adam's number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my number two, I go back to the well of Spielberg, the master storyteller, and my number two is Schindler's List. Honorable didn't make my list. Sure, I know it's a movie. Um, so it came out in 1993, and I know it's a movie that John and I have had this discussion before. That it's hard to watch more than once. <laughs> very. Um, and because it's so intense and because it just it I don't know a single person who hasn't seen it and like, wow, that really hit me in all the feels. Um, the performances are phenomenal. The you know, Liam Neeson is is so you feel for the guy. And at the end, when he is just like broken down where he wishes he could help more. Um, Ray Fiennes, a great villain. He God, he's he's brutal in that movie. And it's you, you just respect everything about it the emotion this movie is one of the most emotional movies period and i get it i even haven't seen it in a long time um but it's one that i i revisit every probably every once every 10 years or so but the i would say the film student in me just loves it and i and i love the artistic nature the black and white with these sparing red bright colors that'll pop mm-hmm. in based on just this the kid's dress or other things it's um I love that aspect. I love the direction that was put into this movie. And I think it's hard pressed to not admit it's just uh, phenomenal filmmaking. Uh, All right. My number two uh, gets a lot of shit for its historical inaccuracy to what actually happened. But it is based on a real thing. And it's still one of the greatest movies, I think, that involves war. Uh, My number two is Braveheart. Same on Higher on. And higher on my list. <laughs> well, I guess we know what number one is, Adam. Yeah. 
Well, that, that that swings us back to your number one. So <laughs> okay, so good. It's it's spoiled enough, and it's this high on all three of our lists. So I think it you know probably is going to be maybe the definitive top number one movie. You know, if we do mathematics, mm-hmm. Braveheart, nineteen ninety five. Mel, you he makes three times for you, Ken. You love you some Mel Gibson, <laughs> just like you love you some Arnold. Uh, very he, true. he makes he makes some good war films. What can you say? He may be a racist piece of shit, but he makes a damn good war movie. That's true. Separate the artist from the art, Adam. So, this film, it's epic. It's emotional. You're right. It's not historically accurate. Um, The music is unbelievably good in this movie, and uh, and more than happy to talk about that again later. (laughs) Um, But it's just him... And his journey that he goes on where, no, I'm not fucking fighting in this war. Leave me alone. And then he gets pulled in with the death of Marion, who, you know, he had to marry in secret because Prima Nocta was in, <laughs> in play. And and then, you know, she gets killed and, and raped and all this. And so then he goes on a spree. And the brutality of this film is, yeah, it's, I can't ever think of another word than awesome to watch like just in the sense of awesome it was just like oh my god this is soaking up in all of my senses um great sound design as well like when i'm not gonna lie when they're like torturing william wallace at the end like the, you just you're hearing these brutal things and you know you don't see it what's happening to it you're stuck on mel gibson's face and his performance is wonderful and you know when you think he's about to break and he yells out freedom chills just going, I, I'm, I'm getting chills just thinking about it because every time he does it, it's it's one of those movies that I'm going to cry on. I'm going to get chills and I'm going to cry because of the emotion. So it's, it's wonderful. Uh, all right. Well, then I'll just talk about my number one, which is I'll tell us technically been spoiled. Yeah. And it it combines two of the things I love the most, which are if, if I had to have a favorite war, which is a weird thing to say, but one that I like to hear the most about. Um, I have a few I really like to hear. I like the the modern, like I would say Afghanistan stuff because I really like to hear about you know soldiers of my time and people I know. Um, I was always I've always a big fan of like Civil War history, but I've also been a big fan of the Vietnam War. Um, and surprising, not really that surprisingly, I really haven't really cared about World War II. I think it's just because it was not my war. You know, I didn't okay. I, and we didn't really know that many people that were affected by it. Um, but the Vietnam War was one that I was a big fan of, and also a huge fan of Robin Williams. You can't sure. get much better than that. So my number one was uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Uh, incredible film. Does showcase, I would say, both sides. Um, and more of a sort of street-level, almost civilian-level uh, experience there, um, since Robin is really just more of a, a radio DJ than he is a, a soldier at this point. Um, but a really great cast, a lot of funny guys, and just an amazing film with both comedy and heart, I think. And it goes, it goes almost to extremes with some hilarious moments, and then some really dark yeah. moments. You know, it it plays comedy and drama really well. And the, one of those early roles that really proved Robin Williams isn't just the wacky dude; he can fucking act. I I love the one liners. I still to this day will use the one liners. Um, usually, when I'm stuck with a bunch of guys and we're doing nothing, I will I will reenact the phone calls that he would be getting you know we don't know anybody named charlie out here they're all named Chi song and yeah i i love 
I love the depth he brings, uh, and and to know the life that the man led, and and you know the experiences that he brought to all of his films and all of his roles. Uh, yeah, it, it, Good Morning Vietnam is, is an outstanding movie. Ken, that brings us to your number one. All right, so just like the th- like three hundred, uh, and then one of my other honorable mentions is an annual rewatch for me. Uh, this one takes back to prior to Troy. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven is my number one. Oh, Orlando Bloom's in that one, isn't he? I haven't... <laughs> he, he, he is. He, he, he is. That... He's in a lot of their movies. <laughs> that was one of the ones that was vying for my number 10 spot. I, I uh... think that's an underrated uh, huh. film that I think kind of got glossed over. It was actually, I, we saw it in the theater and I was very impressed with it. I just have not seen it. The the idea of having a, a crusade movie that, again, obviously from my list you can see I love the other perspective, but to have a film that illustrates the reasoning 90% of wars occurred is in the name of whatever deity you want to call. Uh, for that, it was mm-hmm. how do you have two separate sets of people that both believe and pray to God for their victory? Who's going to win said victory? And then also the idea of fighting over a patch of earth. Regardless of what you may believe, is a patch of earth worth dying for? Uh, the, uh, the, the, the final line uh, from, from the, uh, the Muslim leaders uh, was, what is Jerusalem worth? Nothing and everything Encapul- encapsulates everything for for any any individual that is religious in in any way but also for a soldier uh is a piece of dirt worth worth your life no but is an idea worth your life yes it's worth everything uh and it's a a great movie for for what it is jeremy irons in in that in that film Liam neeson uh Again, probably the greatest one-liner ever. I once fought an, a, an entire battle with an arrow stuck through my testicle uh, as a way of getting <laughs> his son up off his ass because he cut his hand. Uh, is is not only the greatest dad line ever, um, but also the best line that you can have for a soldier or anyone. Like, yeah, you think you got it bad. I once fought an entire day with an arrow through my testicle. Blow Skyrim <laughs> out of the, one, the water of, I used to be an adventurer until I took the arrow in the yeah. knee. Uh, yeah. it's, it blows that out of the water. Uh, I absolutely love Kingdom of Heaven. It's, it, again, it's one of my annual rewatches, uh, for no other reason than to remember that for me personally, it's, you know, my, my faith, my, my love of my country, my love of my family is what drives a character in that film one way or another. And then to have the main character, uh, at, le- at least at the end of Ridley Scott's version, can continue on and de- decide to go back for the Second Crusade uh, to fight for Jerusalem is is incredible. Well, I think let's uh, let's get some honorable mentions in. Adam, you want to start us off with a few? Yeah, um, it's another one of those main war movies that people love. Um, I, I saw it and it's a bit slow, but it is still good. Apocalypse Now. I'm kind of surprised it didn't make anybody's list. Yeah, um, I'm I'm yeah. not a huge fan of that film. It's it's kind of slow. Yeah, um, better. I don't. Okay. Yeah, agree. Uh, Doctor Strange Love is that that, 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 was, that was one I had as well. It, it yeah. is it is both yeah. a relative war movie and a commentary at the same mm-hmm. time. Also gives me one of my 
two two of the two of the lines that my wife and I quoted to each other because we saw that movie together, uh, which is, uh, man, that was low enough to fry chickens in a barnyard. <laughs> and then, uh, gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Or, yeah, it's a great, great line. Uh, I also want to add, I saw in a German filmmaking class, uh, Das Boot, uh, which film. is a great film. Um, and then I didn't include Forrest Gump because it, war is in it. But like a lot of people like put it in their war movies. I'm like, but there's so much other aspects. Like that's right. one aspect, but there's a lot of other parts to that movie. And so I just didn't feel like it was enough of a war movie to be considered that. I also had it listed as an honorable mention for that reason. Yep. Uh, and just my last one, 100,000% if I would have gone into past, you know, 2005 and, and beyond. Like I said, Hurt Locker would have made the list. <laughs> um, but also even higher up on my list, Inglorious Bastards would have made that list, list for me. Mm. I fucking love that one. To me... I can't. I honestly, I can't tell you if I like that or Pulp Fiction better as my favorite Tarantino. It's that good. Um, for me, all but one of my honorable mentions has been listed. I had Forrest Gump, Kingdom of Heaven, Lone Survivor, Dark Strangelove. The one I'm going to mention is one that I also saw as a kid. I haven't really seen it since, but it also I had a scene that affected me. It was a movie called Memphis Belle, that is great. Uh, which was about uh, pilots, I believe, in World War II. Uh, there is a scene where a... a, a think it's a Japanese plane I think um, it could it could be German uh, they shoot it down but on its way down it slices another plane in half and the one plane that you're kind of following in the scene radios that plane and you just hear them screaming for their lives on their way down like oh god someone say it it was heart-wrenching to like 14 or 15 year old John who saw this film and was one of the first times I saw how effective a war movie could be. Um, it's been a hot minute. It's probably been like 30 or 20 or something years before I've seen that film. And I maybe I want to rewatch it. I think the graphics on it aren't quite as good. Uh, I, I, oh, yeah. I I did rewatch I that trailer scene. up and I just saw a scene where a plane cuts another one out. It's yeah, yeah. not good. <laughs> yeah, the graphics were not great. Uh, but the, the film itself, I remember being really, really good. All right. So, uh, kind of going through my list of ones that haven't already been said one that flirts with me of historical accuracy it is really really hard to like throw it in there's gladiator absolutely love that movie i mean i had that same battle the the gall the gall battle is is there i mean the romans did would have made my list too yeah but i i couldn't i couldn't you know be okay with throwing it uh midway uh flags of our fathers yeah uh, pretty much anything Clint Eastwood touched uh, when it came to that <laughs> side what is is in my list Tora 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 beats out any movie about the uh, the Pearl Harbor uh, mm-hmm. very much because it does again go from both sides and when you're talking about a, a film from that time period having kind of that both sidesism is, is incredible um, yeah. obviously 300 because who doesn't want washboard abs um, yeah, so good, <laughs> man, awesome. From for a newer film, I would put Fury up there because uh, okay. that encapsulates everything that is scary and horrifying about riding around in an armored vehicle. Uh, I'm six mm-hmm. five. There's no way I could fit myself into one. Uh, so I know <laughs> if I had to get out of one quickly, that would not work. Um, yeah. So that that is my uh, that's my humble list, guys. Have any of you seen 1917? 
Uh, I've, I have not. I've seen 1917. I would actually put all the newer version of All Quiet on the Western Front uh, above 1917. Above that one? Okay. Yeah. And I okay. badly want to watch that. It looks really good. Cool. Uh, especially for, you know, the German. You know, you know, I, right. I, know I know quite a bit now, uh, more so than I did. Uh, and then watching with subtitles makes me laugh. Uh, <laughs> and, but my wife will just be sitting there like, that guy just got shot. It's like, yeah, but they totally screwed up the line. So, <laughs> uh, all right, Ken. Thank you so much for joining us for this. This was a a, a great discussion. I think. Yep. On uh, war films, uh, I know you're not quite doing uh, the the tactics pod, but is there anything else that you're working on that you want to promote or? You know, not at this time. Like I, I plan on maybe sure. picking it back up. Um, really, for <laughs> for me, it's it's promoting you guys. I've I've enjoyed listening oh. to you guys and working with you, uh, being on multiple podcasts and having you guys on mine uh, has been a privilege and an honor. Uh, and I continue to wait with bated breath for Adam to get his priorities correct in his picks and the way he does things. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to happen, uh, but it's what keeps me coming back is hoping that Adam one day will actually grow uh, a pair of balls uh, and understand that his takes are wrong. But uh, uh, I love you guys. You guys have been great. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, and for all our uh, patrons out there, I think uh, the three of us are going to do a quick little uh, the music aspect of some of these films. We're going to kind of do a quick ranking and we're going to put that out on our uh, Patreon exclusive feed for uh, everybody out there. Yeah. Uh, and trust me, Ken, when I say the honor is definitely ours Yes. Um, to have uh, men like you who who've gone through a lot to be fans of our shitty little podcast <laughs> is uh, honestly the the uh, the real honor here so thank you very much and that was our top 10 war movies please join us next time as we break down the 1984 film footloose discuss the 90s tv show third rock from the sun and recast footloose using actors of today if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.